everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chapter Surfing. This month, we're going to be talking about The Flight Attendant Season 2, and uh, Andrew Taven, who was in the first Flight Attendant episode, has returned. Hello, I'm back. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing we're pretty much just going to be talking about the show just because there's just like so few similarities to possibly talk about because season one covered the whole book. Um, but I guess I'll just start by asking if anything did make you think of the book as you were watching. It's an interesting question. Um, I, I, so I had to relook at all the episode stuff. Um, what's her face? I did get mixed up because I read the book after seeing the show. Cause I read the book specifically cause I was going to be on the podcast and would not have otherwise. <laughs> and I do know that one big thing that I remember being different, and there was a lot of stuff that's different. We went over this. Everyone, listen to the last one if you haven't. Um, where it's one, it, it, I was surprised to find that I actually thought the book was worse because I thought there was a very low chance that would be the case. <laughs> but I think what's her face, and I'm going to forget everyone's name, Miranda or whatever, mm -hmm. the Irish assassin lady, I believe dies in the book. Yeah, I gets think you're killed. right. Yeah. And in this one, not only did she not die, so I kind of, going in season two, was like, got them mixed up. and was like, yeah, she dies, she's dead. And then she shows up, like, pretty quickly to just, like, be a superhero. To be, like, <laughs> yeah. Scarlet uh, Black Widow or something. Like, she's, like, magic. Um, <laughs> and you're trying to do the uh, flight attendant cinematic universe. So I remember that. Um, I don't think because a lot of this when i watched it was like remembering oh yeah that stuff mm -hmm. oh yeah she was like working for north korea or whatever oh yeah um which also i think is not in the book right uh yeah. that's just out of nowhere um and then re-watching and then watching season two was also like reading it like now rereading like the wikipedia summaries mm -hmm. was like oh yeah that stuff <laughs> um because she's got her friend who was also a flight attendant who works the CIA, which I don't think is in the book either. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think she anyone else in the plane works for the CIA. Yeah, I mean, that I don't think that was even originally supposed to be in the show. It's like at the end, they're like, and you could actually have more adventures that people could come back and watch. This is like, that's like what Glenn Greenwald thinks the CIA is now. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, they're all promoting... Uh, you know, black, gay, uh, mm -hmm. young millennials to run the CIA and do woke imperialism <laughs> or whatever. But um, I don't even know. I mean, in the first one, it's Reg, Reg, hey, sorry, Reggie was scratching his eye with mm -hmm. his foot. He's not supposed to. Mm -hmm. So that's his eye. Um, in the first one, it's like, all right, this Russian assassin and they're trying to like, uh, in the second one, in the in the in the the series, I mean, in the book, it's like a Russian assassin. The first series thing is also Russia. This one, I honestly try and remember back. I was like talking to Liz and trying to remember, like, okay, Cheryl from Curb Your Enthusiasm is the actual villain. I couldn't remember if she was the one who you think is a villain that's undermined or the actual one, but she is the real villain. Um. And I don't, I don't remember to what end. <laughs> like even reading back to the Wikipedia summary. Yeah, I, I had the same remember. thing in the scene. Um, Cassie asks what her motivation is, 
and she's like, it's some weird thing. Like she's like, well, I've been doing secret, like illegal stuff for decades. And then I decided you would be a convenient agent to like frame for murder. And it's like, those, I don't get this at all. And I like was watching um, like YouTube recaps and they also just like said what the dialogue was, but it was like, what does that mean? Um, so yeah, I have no idea. But anyway, um, we're getting far from the actual question. So I just want to real yeah. quick get this out of the it's, way. It's, yeah. So um, I, mean, I, I, I mentioned some stuff that was different in the book. Um, I just, I don't think that uh, it, it resembles the book much at all. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, because it is the second story. Yeah, the only thing I had was, the like, the only comparison I noticed was in the the book, she gets her happy ending with a screenwriter, and I was glad on the show that they changed it to a photographer. I was like, I'm glad they understand, of all people, that ending up with a screenwriter is not a happy ending. Yeah, and when you're still, and then she's still, in the book, she also is, does go on to continue doing spy stuff. Right, yeah. Which... Um, sure. I guess that's (laughs) fine. It's kind of, it, they're both in this weird, it's in this weird middle ground where they don't have any real sense of what, it's not like it's like the Americans where they clearly like, yes, I'm sure there's lots of stuff that's unrealistic, but it feels like, oh, they're really trying, like you wouldn't have like these two agents going off on all these different missions. They do like, I don't know, one thing, like you'd have like, you know, the one guy whose thing it is to like, like, you know, Matthew Reese would seduce only one right. <laughs> government secretary, not like all of the government secretaries in DC, although Matthew Reese would be capable. <laughs> um, and it sort of feels like this, but they, but they mostly kind of feel like, oh, they have a real trying to have some grounded sense of like, this is what Soviet agents would be working on and these are the kind of projects and people they try and contact whereas this it's it's this thing where it's like they don't fully just go whatever it's like agents of shield bananas <laughs> right but they also don't have anything like that specific they're just yeah. kind of like you know they're a spy so they do <laughs> spy stuff they get paid to do spy stuff yeah it's like it- microfilm <laughs> Yeah, I feel like saying it's like a weird middle ground kind of describes the whole show in general. It has like, like, I feel like it is trying to be like six different shows. And as a result, it feels like half a show. It's like, yeah, I definitely I can't tell I you you know, they kind of sold it. I feel like to Kaylee Cuoco as like, this is going to be like an Emmy play. Oh, this is I mean, like e- even more in season two, because they literally, the like Mind Palace stuff that last year was her talking to Alex Sokolov. Now is her talking to like five versions of herself, which like as soon as the first time that happened, I was like, this is because she didn't win as many awards as she wanted to. Like, blatantly. which like, I don't know. I'm sorry that you're not that good an actress. Yeah. Like she's, a, she's, she does fine like you know as much as everyone you know we all hate on big bang theory or whatever it is there are even worse sitcoms if it wasn't that popular like i don't think people would hate it that much i don't think it's particularly good but it's like it is what it is you know um and she's fine in that you know she's fine to like say uh i'm going to sephora and then uh jim parsons is like Sephora, 
which Star Trek villain was that? And then she goes, oh, like, whatever, you know, yeah. she's fine at doing that. It works. And it's just like she needs to sell dramatic stuff in this and just is does not seem to have the capacity. And I think I think they're the people the actors need to know if they <laughs> do really want to take like a dramatic swing. You look at something like Uncut Gems, where I where I am on team Adam Sandler should have won the Oscar for that year. But I think Adam Sandler, as well as anyone knows, that you can't just slot him into anything. Right. Right. Like Uncut Gems was like a sniper bullet directly at the exact <laughs> possible. Like, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever read the or aware of from internet memory the junji ito comic uh the incident or the mystery of anigara fault or whatever you might have seen this this hole it was made for me it's it's just this you can look it up you can read it like imager or whatever uh it's spooky but it's pretty much there's this like town in japan and they all notice that uh this cliffside right outside of town has cutouts in the mountain perfectly shaped like different people in the town oh, and they okay. feel compelled to go walk into them and you can find out what happens if you read it i won't spoil it because <laughs> it's it's worth reading it's like i don't know 20 pages you can just find it and read it um but it feels like with adam sandler he was like this hole it was made for me like it's exactly right molded to his abilities perfectly like um, whereas with Kaylee Cuoco, I'm sure there's something you could probably, like, you know, if, if you're, if you have the ability to care, to be one of the primary people on sitcom, you probably have the chops that someone could probably make a role that you could just knock out of the park, even like a dramatic role, like mm -hmm. something that just, you have some pop, you do it exactly. And this just isn't. It. Yeah. It's really like throwing, it's like trying to be an Emmy role and like, in a way that's really like throwing stuff at the wall, like when they're like, let's stop everything and you can go to your mom and like monologue at your mom. It's like, okay. Yeah, I love you, but I don't like you, <laughs> which is kind of a good line in a different show, maybe. Like literally um, flea bag. Flea bag. Literally what? Literally flea bag. I think they just took that line. <laughs> oh, well, that is a better show. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, no one. And the other thing is, it's like, if you had other great performances, but like, I mean, look, Zosha Mamet, uh, that, you know what, that's an example where you look at girls and Lena Dunham made the role for Zosha Mamet. Like, that's Shoshana. That's, she does as good a job with that character as anyone could do. And that's maybe all she can do we saw her in a coffee shop once and she didn't seem mean to staff or anything she seems like i'm sure she's a very nice person um don't ask her about her dad's political views uh but she just like having her be like mm, okay well uh you know i'm a high-powered lawyer and like um okay when the cops come and like geez it's really really bad this is this is a big problem you mm, are your fingerprints oh god mm, like it's not that and i don't want it to come across i'm like oh uh ditzy valley girl can't be a high-powered lawyer or whatever we've all seen legally blonde yeah. um but 
it's not that it's just that it it never feels like she's take she has the capacity to take the situation seriously which i guess is kind of also the issue with a lot of them yeah the, um, the performance that i thought really brought this season down was may martin who plays grace uh they're i think just like really not a strong actor and like their last show feel good was like they wrote that for themselves yeah. based on their comedic persona and then you you watch them trying to just play like a role just like slotted into it and like especially in the finale when they're like on the ferris reel yeah and you're just like awesome. this scene is so dependent on may martin's performance and it's just not happening yeah um well you know jeez <laughs> i just have to shoot myself oh, <laughs> it's it's tough it is tough. I mean, it's it's also the issue where when I watched, I feel like I probably said this on House of House or something. I was so pleasantly surprised by Barry and still am pleasantly surprised by Barry all the time. And one of the things that surprised me is that the the tat like the the elevator pitch of the show is something that sounds like an NYU freshman wrote it as a pilot <laughs> that should never work. Right. Like, oh, what if uh, a hitman decides they want to be an actor and give up, but also no, it's not just like totally goofy. Mm -hmm. It's not just totally goofy. It's also serious. It's dealing with their trauma. That sounds that sounds terrible. Like as a pitch, like whenever someone is like, "I'm going to write about a hitman," it's like, "Oh, a job that you doesn't really exist the mm -hmm. way anyone thinks it does, and you have no like." absolutely no connection to or the emotions of like the real life hitman it's like someone who's hired by tiger king and like fucks <laughs> it up and leaves the gun outside a police department or something um and the the idea that you're like oh it's a soldier but they work as a hit person now and they're uh going to uh you know and this is a cia agent and they're like but they're like a sassy CIA yeah agent. So they're, they're like, like oh you did not meet with the north koreans the like, backstory for grace is so weird she's like um she's like well i just wanted out of the army by any means necessary so i agreed to be a hitman and now i'm doing the same thing i didn't want to do and it's like yeah like i just don't understand this person and like it's like they keep falling into weird mr bean situations where they're like uh, have to murder people and they're like how'd this happen i just tripped and now i'm a murderer they uh, yeah there's that there's also um I, my big thing i tweeted this when i was watching it i was just like this is a story of a woman who is incapable of putting her phone on silent <laughs> and she has this very specific ringtone so she'll be like you know in iceland and about to watch an assassin who's like looking for them and suddenly you see like ah, 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 i need you it's like jesus did you not you're a, a, a airline a flight attendant you should know about turning <laughs> off your phone that's one of the big things unless you're secretly keeping it on and making everyone else shut it off yeah it's just it's that it's not knowing anything like i was looking back and i was like oh yeah there's like another couple who's spying on them and then also there's the podcast person there's cassie meets someone in aa yeah they should have picked one of these things because there's so much different stuff going on and you're just like why is everyone like obsessed with cassie like she's there's just so many like multiple conspiracy elaborate conspiracies targeting her and yeah it's, it's weird i feel like it's always 
better to as much as possible have like the universe be indifferent to your protagonist. And I think a lot yeah. of shows like fuck up by having like every single person be obsessed with the protagonist. Yeah, I really I'm trying to think in terms of like what you do if you get I mean, first off, the weird thing is I don't I don't think the book when we talked about this in the previous one, I, th- I think the book is like bad, like even bad yeah. for like a beach read or like an airport thriller. And I'm someone who like will talk at length about I, I will read trash <laughs> thrillers. So it's not like I think that trash thrillers can't be enjoyable. Like I'm someone who like I watch I read I read bad books. I will watch both good and bad anime but there's bad as in inept or boring or uninteresting and there's bad but enjoyable right and like the you know i read dean Koontz and uh dan brown like i've read my share of like thrillers where i'm like you know i can't pretend this is good or high literature or anything but it's like well written you understand what is happening you are drawn along to keep reading you learn stupid little tidbits here and there, which is like the thing I feel like where you read any of these books by authors, like I'm, I've never read any of the other books, maybe the rest are all great, but by someone like a Bajulian or a Koontz or a Brown, where you're like, oh, they love putting in these little details they read in like a Wikipedia rabbit hole they fell into at some point, where it'll just be like, oh, Cassie noticed the curtains on the uh, hotel. She recalled a documentary that was on TV about the way that silkworms actually live for three years under whatever nonsense that they think is mildly interesting they put in. But like the flight attendant, the book, I don't know why someone adopt adapted it. I mean, we just live in the world of IP. I don't think they read it. They were just like, this is a book we can adapt that people will recognize the title of. Will they? Was no, like I don't think that even book? matters. Like literally... They're just like, we have to get the rights to a book. Like, I don't think it had come out yet or like been successful yet or anything when they got it. And I remember when, oh, I'll go even further to say, I I think it wasn't even finished when they wrote just because, and this would be a wild coincidence, and it could be, but this would be a wild coincidence that there is a part in the book when Cassie is in some hotel in wherever she ends up, it's like Ireland or France or something. And she's watching TV and said she tried to distract herself with a sitcom about nerdy physicists. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, sure. Look, it's a popular sitcom. It's not like, uh, you know, if they had gotten Julia Louis-Dreyfus to, I don't know why, but they get dropped her a big bag of money and they said they're aging up Cassie and they got Julia Louis-Dreyfus and they'd been like, you know, a sitcom about a neurotic Jewish comedian and his neighbor and ex-girlfriend and Jason Alexander is there. Um but I, I it, it's certainly possible that he would just be like, yeah, that's a very popular mm-hmm. sitcom. But it feels like a pretty wild coincidence unless he was like, oh, uh, I know that, um, you know, uh, Kaylee Cuoco is circling this uh, sitcom. He was like, you know, like, Kaylee Cuoco. He was like, William Shatner's protege from the <laughs> from the travel velocity commercials. I am curious if he had any previous books that were adapted because it feels wild if this was just his first book that was adapted and he just like he must right midwives that sounds familiar it was an Oprah's book club um yeah I don't know 
He's got like 80 books. Uh, no, I mean, they don't jump out at me. Yeah. Oh, there's I... one called Trans Sister Radio. So, don't know. That was from 2000. Don't know how that holds up. Um, yeah, I think she just knew, like, knew that it was about, like, a party girl flight attendant and thought, like, that would be a good part for her. I mean, like, it happens a lot and it's, like, it's not always bad. Like, Damon Lindelof decided to do The Leftovers based on, like, one quote he saw about it before it came out um, and that turned out fine. But, yeah, I don't think it, like, means anything, like... People, people will always say like that they expect the book to be better. And it's like that extremely is not true because like studios are just like buying up everything they possibly can. Yeah, no, they definitely they'll just grab whatever IP. It's just such a like he had some television films based off books before. So I guess he had kind of an in and, you know, you know, the right person. It gets handed off, whatever. But it just feels like so arbitrary of all the things that yeah. that like yeah I mean I don't think, it's it yeah I don't think you have to be like that big they're just like worried about someone else getting to it first yeah like I remember when it came out that like the fat Jew like plagiarized stuff and he had that like development deal with Comedy Central like someone was like yeah we didn't like know that much about him we just like wanted to get him before anyone else did. I mean, it makes sense on some level, right? No, when you I know think about does. the way that it, it it works, where they're like, look, if we can get in at that right place, you're putting out, you know, $50,000 offer, $50,000 offer, $50,000 offer to like 100 people. And two of those pay off and get you, you know, a combined billion dollars. And then you're like, there you go. You keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, I and know it, it makes sense. I'm the one who was saying that. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> Lenny, listen. Uh, I mean, I am curious why uh, she was getting slapped by Sharon Stone. The future of the show. Are they making a season three? Like, I am curious um, why she chose this. Like, in her own words. You know, I'm sure her agent said, oh, this is great. You'll get, you know, uh, flight attendant. Why she shows it like uh i probably should have looked this up beforehand instead of getting this online uh, anyway um yeah they uh whatever it was she wanted if they make season three i'll look it up before then remind me <laughs> um but whatever it is that drew her to it i just it's just so odd because the second season, theoretically, you have so much more like freedom, like the mm -hmm. same way that I think The Leftovers gets much better as it goes. I think the first and, and honestly, I think a lot of the stuff that isn't great might be stuff that was added. I don't really I mean, you read it, right? Because mm -hmm. you read it for the, the podcast. Like, how's how is the book? I know they never answer anything, which they uh. arguably <laughs> don't for the movie, yeah. the, the TV show. The book is probably my favorite novel. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you said Damon Lindelof decided to do it without having read the yeah, book. Yeah, he saw a quote where Steve, like Stephen King read it early and Stephen King compared it to the Twilight Zone and like Damon Lindelof was like, interesting. I'd like to be attached to this. 
that's absurd i know we're talking about how absurd all this is but that's so funny just to be like oh it's like the twilight zone yeah everything <laughs> i'm sure oh. like stephen king has to give so many quotes i'm sure there's like 300 books he's compared to the twilight zone <laughs> oh absolutely I, it, that's just so funny because the i mean the the thing that's so wild right is that people and i actually haven't seen lost but i know that the thing that people get on damon lindelof about and which you can see I think was an issue in the kind of the post lost glut of like, uh, you know, uh, the 4,400 and, uh, what, uh, future, um, I saw it and I don't even remember what it's called. The one where they all like black out and they see like six months into the future Flash or something. Forward. Flash forward. Thank you. Um, which that one actually, you know, you can sort of see what the, there's like some there's some stuff there, but I feel like the big problem with a lot of those is that you're like, well, what's you know what's going to be the mystery? How do you reveal it? Which is what the great you know thing I think with the leftovers, which explicitly tells you in the theme song, is like, well, that's that can't be what it's about because you're going to be disappointed. There's no <laughs> way you can you can maybe make a movie that has a satisfying twist, and even then, that's tough to do. Um, but you need to find something that actually sustains for that many seasons and it just it can't rely on what the mystery will be and you look at like still i think m night Shyamalan's best movie and i watched six Sense, knowing what the twist was because i watched it like a few years ago for the first time and the great thing about six Sense is it's just a good movie even mm. when you watch it knowing the twist it's actually kind of neat to see all the ways that he without cheating it deliberately makes sure to put in scenes and stuff that leads you away from that that without breaking a, a hard rule to be like aha well Haley joel osmond hallucinated that <laughs> um you know my favorite i always point to is like oh there's the scene where she's going to the anniversary dinner and uh there's the scene where he walks in and the framing of it makes it seem like he interrupted a conversation between bruce willis and his mom but you don't hear a conversation um and then you look at uh the flight attendant and you're like yeah i guess it's cheryl hines <laughs> yeah flight the thing about the flight attendant is it just like doesn't feel sincere like i feel like such a key to doing kind of a like weird uh mystery is just like do it like it has to be like from the heart it has to be like sincere like it, which is why the leftovers works and then the flight attendant it was straining so hard, like all the stuff, like where the like giant teddy bear appears and like stuff like that. Like they were just like, what would a weird show do right now? And it's like, uh, just like, if you don't have it in you, then just like be a sexy mystery, which is also fine, you know? Yeah, it is odd that you can't just be like, like the first one. So, okay, obviously, oh, it turns out it, in the first season, it's her boyfriend. And that's the same in the book. That's from the book. Oh, it's the guy she was going out with. He was scouting her, which is like fine as far as that goes. It's, I'd say, pretty predictable, but that's not necessarily bad. I think people get people. One of the worst parts of Internet uh, too smart, trying to outsmart at culture is the thing where, you know, you I remember reading something about the it may have been confirmed it may have just been a rumor but something about the game of thrones creators that they would like look up stuff people mm -hmm. were saying on reddit and if someone guessed something they'd try and change it which is nuts because I... that's how you end up with a show 
that has an ending that no one could predict because it came out of nowhere. Right. When yeah, you were I mean, clearly like, setting up. Like Pretty Little Liars was doing that constantly uh, to like up to, until eventually it was like you didn't expect it to be like Spencer Hastings' British twin who we never mentioned. And it's like, yeah, no, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Or like you look at, um, yeah, I mean, the perfect example I always, the recent example I always think of and which i'm sure you'll uh, agree with spoilers for succession mm-hmm. season three uh anyone listening but um spoiler succession setting up tom it's perfectly set up yeah. that he's going to betray them yeah you look back and they set it up exactly they don't i think they don't overdo it they don't they know what they're showing. Obviously, it's not like they, this is a documentary. And even then you choose what you edit. It's not like this is like found footage and they <laughs> played all of it of these characters. Like obviously they control very well what they show you. And they set it up in a way where I'm sure there were people who guessed it. I mean, yeah, like they fun. literally uh they just put in that scene where he like gets off the phone with Shiv and then is like hey, do you want to make a deal with the devil? Which I always thought was them like not even trying to surprise people. I like talked to some people who were surprised and I was like, I genuinely don't know else what else I could have been referring to when he like got off the phone with Shiv and then said, let's go make a deal with the devil. Um, but well, I like still love that ending. Like, Yeah. Well, I think you're supposed to think he's going to, he they're the devil. That like, because uh, everyone's been, because, um, uh, Kendall has been, um, you know, against them this whole time. It's been him against the family. So I, I mean, I, the, the, to me, I, I was surprised. I okay. was, I was satisfied because I'm a big old dummy. <laughs> We're not all as smart as Lenny. Sorry. But <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. I, well, cause part of the thing is you, it's nice when a show is done so well, cause we really do. We've been so adapted, unfortunately, I think to watch everything with like, Oh, what's mm-hmm. where's it going? Where's it going? Right. You know, um, which isn't a f- the way stuff should be watched. And it's nice to have something that lets you just, oh, okay, that actually, I just let that happen. Mm-hmm. And whereas a flight attendant, you're like, all right, well, <laughs> it's not going to be the guy who she thinks it is. Yeah, I think like um, flight attendant season one worked fairly well in that it was like this really simple mystery and the interesting part was like her character her personal issues and just like watching how like badly she would handle everything um and then season two it's not that they didn't do all those same things um once again it was like a very predictable simple mystery um which is like hard to avoid in I tweeted about this like after season one of a mystery show, it starts to be like, I wonder if it's going to turn out the only two new characters were behind this. Um, But uh, the predictability would have been fine, but I think they got a lot. I don't even know if it's like the execution was less good or we're just sick of it at this point, but like her personal issues, I thought were like super not engaging. And also like at some point, you know, when she keeps being like, oh, I'm a mess. It's like, you're the center point of like three different conspiracies. You would be fine if that were not the case, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's also like, you know, I think the um, the way they, 
I'm trying to remember if I'm getting this mixed up with something else because I think they actually do a decent job, unless I'm forgetting, in the first season and I think in the book. I think one thing it does do decently, unless I'm like getting it mixed up with another show, is of leading you into like, oh, she's an alcoholic without being like, immediately like you see she's drinking but you're like she's a flight attendant she's partying whatever like yeah they aren't like you know oh she's uh dry she's driving and she's got like whatever you would use if you immediately want to signify like oh this person's an alcoholic you should know that but then in the second one it's like okay well now she's an aa but she's doing the whole mind palace thing which i'm i'm really over mind palaces and stuff i honestly anything yeah no it's it just it's also annoying to me because it's like if you really squint you can be like and you know i think everyone's uh the way everyone experiences thought and kind of having conversations with themselves is probably very different but i'm going to go ahead and say no one experiences it like this <laughs> no one like no one like has to have someone tap them on the shoulder and be like uh you all right they're like sorry i was in my mind palace for the last 5 minutes like I think if you're going to do something like that, it either needs to be really interesting and compelling. And we've just had so much of that through the years where even like some of the classic examples, when I think about the Sopranos and we watched it recently and I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm almost glad I waited so long to watch it because so many other shows Mm -hmm. would seem worse if I had just watched the Sopranos and know, oh, we did it like over 20 (laughs) years ago. We already did TV. (laughs) We did it. Um, but one thing that I don't think aged great for me was the dream sequences mm-hmm. where I'm kind of just like this, this is the, and part of it's probably because so many things have done it since it was probably more groundbreaking at the time, but like some of them you're like, yeah, that kind of resembles a dream. I get what you're going for. And then some of them you're kind of like, I don't know. He has a whole uh, leftovers. Uh, what's the, you know, Kevin, um, the one where he's uh, at a hotel mm-hmm. when he's in a coma where you're just like, I don't know. There's something about it where I'm like, oh, everyone gets a vanilla sky mm-hmm. or whatever. We're all vanilla skies here. I mean, I love dreamscape and mindscape episodes because they're so interesting and beautiful. But like this one is just like she'll go into her head and have this conversation where it's like, this is all stuff I could have gotten from like her hearing this information and like making a face like it it is brutal how much it doesn't add anything about like what's actually going on with her because it doesn't also it just doesn't feel psychologically apt it doesn't like feel like it tracks so you're having a saying you're like I guess I don't know I don't know what I would love if they go into uh Zosia Mamet's character if she like goes into her dream palace and it's just like uh Homer when he has like the little (laughs) <laughs> symbol monkey or something um just like playing california girls or something yeah it's um, like the, the like most basic stuff where she like goes in there and like one side of her is like let's have a drink and then another side of her is like let's try to be responsible it's like okay i know that everyone has that inside <laughs> them <laughs> yeah i yeah it just it's and it's the whole mystery where you're you've got may martin's character who i forget do they kiss or anything are they just sort of may martin just kind of flirts with i know may martin i know is just 
they, they I forget. I, I know maybe, like the implication is they definitely are supposed to have a crush on. Oh, on Cassie? I don't know. I didn't notice like that. Was that not? I remember. I remember thinking that because they're like inviting them back and they're. Uh, I don't. I thought that was some yeah, undercurrent probably, that they at least to. But uh, yeah, the. I, it's just it just feels like such a scatter shot, like even more so than the first season. Yeah, and she gets um, like so in this season, she gets so like self loathing in a way that I didn't really think was like earned. Like she has this whole sequence of being like, "I'm a bad person, I'm the worst person ever," and it's like all like she you know drank by herself in her apartment, and it's yeah. like that's fine, like. You know, I I don't know if this is insensitive to say, but I had the idea, and t- let me know if the uh, anyone knows the people at AA, um, because in Not Words, which is a fun game, better than Wordle, I still do Wordle too, but Not Words, you can play two puzzles a day for free. If you miss a streak, and then you do seven days in a row. Not only do you get those seven days, you recover your previous streak. I think that's how AA should work. Yeah, I, I think that is a big psychological thing. Like not just with, uh, not just with like alcohol, but like so many things. Like I was reading about how instead of being like I'm gonna become a vegetarian, you should like try to cut down on meat because if yeah. you say I'm gonna be a vegetarian, as soon as you eat meat once, you'll be like, oh fuck, I like. I messed up. I'm not doing it now. Whereas if you're just like, I want to cut down on me, you can actually do that. Yeah. I think that's like so true. And I think like the season could have made some really good points about that, but instead it just feels like Cassie being like, Oh, I'm a liar. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I don't want to presume because I know I've heard differing things (laughs) about like, Oh, you know, the idea that like a person who's an alcoholic should that there, there are differing opinions. I am not going to pretend to be an expert right, yeah. about whether you're like, never drink again. You can't drink. It's You're diseased. It's poison. You can never touch it. Or whether it is better to kind of have this model of like, well, you know, the, the Seinfeld thing of like, oh, you had a single drink. You're off the wagon. You're going to murder people when they give you a cashmere sweater with a red dot. Um, either way. I just think there's something to me that seems so kind of oppressive about like, well, that was 10 years. Now you have to start over. Right, like, yeah. you should be like, no, I still get those 10 years, but I don't get to count them until I take another month. And now <laughs> I have, I don't count that time I was drinking or whatever, but now I have 10 years. I was sober plus this month and I get to add them together and I get to keep going Cause that feels like you're like, Oh, okay. Well now I got an incentive to keep doing like, I'm, this is like very, I, I have no idea if that you work for people. But when I found that in not words, I was like, Oh, this is so clever because if I lost like a, you know, 70 day streak, I'd be like, well, I'm never going to recover that. Right. So yeah. maybe I'll play here and there, but I don't feel like I want to play every day. But when it's like, Oh, if you play seven days in a row now at any time, you'll recover all those previous days. And I'm like, Oh, well, now I definitely want to because I'm going to get my streak back. So you'd be like, yeah, I'll go seven days. I'm drinking maybe. I know it's not that easy, but maybe that could help. So I don't know. If anyone knows the the people at uh, AA, send them, <laughs> send them that idea. Because it seems like in this one, you're like, oh, she went a year and now, now it's all ruined. Now it's all gone. Now she might as well have just been drinking that whole year. Who even knows? Um, 
yeah, it's that. It's uh the whole the whole thing with the podcast lady who her brother gets uh I which always when you have a character like that, you're like, is this supposed to be us? Is this supposed to be like the viewer? Like right, ah, yeah. you like to watch murder. <laughs> um yeah, I I didn't think that plot was very good. At the very end, when it turns out that she's like obsessed with Felix because he's a hot murderer, I thought that was pretty fun. I felt like Felix being like, maybe if you kill Cassie, then I'd be interested was like a fun idea. And it's like always kind of disappointing when a plot like isn't good until like the very end. And you're like, oh, if that was yeah. happening, then that. But um, yeah, and I thought they really kind of like screwed over her brother, who I thought in season one, I thought he was kind of the most interesting, sort of most nuanced part of it. Like, I thought it was really uh, well done how, like, she remembered her dad being fun and cool, and he was like, no. Um, yeah. And then this season, I think they really screwed him over, where, like, when he's just like, why don't you want to hang out with this podcaster who's obsessed with you? It's like, you're, you're not being a good brother. This is so weird. And also, like, they... Uh, they had this really underwritten OCD plot for him where like, I thought this was so funny that like, I know obviously like this doesn't take place in a world with COVID, but the fact that they showed his OCD getting worse by having him wipe down a touch screen he was about to use. I was like... <laughs> I'm genuinely curious now, knowing I have OCD now, I wonder if I, cause I totally forgot that's even a thing. In that. I'm very yeah. curious. If I rewatched it, what I would think of it now. That's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just elite. The thing also is Felix in the, um, in the book, doesn't he like ends up getting to work as a spy too or something? He ends <laughs> oh, up like fine, which is very weird. Yeah, because he's like, he's like a murderer, who, who. I guess goes to jail, but he's also like, that also seems weird. He's in like regular jail and people can visit. If you're an international <laughs> secret uh, Russian Illuminati hitman, you just go to like regular jail. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's don't all know. very, it all feels like it doesn't know what world it wants to exist. Exactly. In. Like if it was uh, like more, like it could be, it could, there's a way it could get away with this amount of silliness, but it just keeps doing stuff where I'm like, you're not good at being a silly show. <laughs> like this isn't working for me. Yeah. The, uh, another good example of that is with um, uh, Rosie Perez, Megan. Who for some like, reason being... has Farrah Fawcett hair this season. That was very distracting for me. I kept being like, who has a Farrah Fawcett in 2022? That's probably trying to get away. Yeah. She's being like, um, oh, I guess they are doing season three of uh, The Flight Attendant. All right, we'll see. Um, sure. Well, <laughs> that means another episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, Kaylee Cuoco says the plane has landed. Oh, she said she's open to it okay. and she could see it happening. Okay. Um, yeah, the... Uh, her whole thing, it's like the, the scene, I mean, it sticks out specifically because the things I do remember, it's like when she's like apprehends the North Korean guy who's like chasing her and like puts him in the trunk and you're just like, man, did did this, this guy just had 
no training. <laughs> not like I'm not gonna say it's not possible, but just like yeah. out of nowhere. This wasn't like you're just he's just really bad at his job. He's jet lagged. I don't know. <laughs> it's sometimes the yeah. level of competence is sort of like the wild thing. Or like in the book, because now I remember this also. Not that this can't happen and be a good story. In the book, and I don't think this is what happens in the show. I'm remembering now that in the book, he, she, he's going to shoot her and the gun like backfires. Because it's like the gun she got. Yeah, like, yeah. She dropped it or something and it got broken. And you're like, that can happen. That I, I'm not someone who thinks like, oh, that's a coincidence. And you can never have a coincidence happen if it's bad if it's good for your character. No, I think you can if it's interesting. Right. And that's not. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's breaking the I, one of the iron rules of storytelling. You can never break them. It's that it's not interesting. And it should be interesting. <laughs> yeah. And that um, kind of feels like... A, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the other thing with the Megan plot is, like, she, like, she's in this crazy situation of giving secrets to North Korea, which, like, Every time they remind me that that's a thing, I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, and, like, her way of, like, getting out of it, which is, like, you got to get me a meeting with Shane, which is, like, a guy who's, like, our age. Um, and, yeah. like, I sort of, you know, I believe you could work for the CIA in some capacity. Like, they explain flight attendants have a good reason to travel everywhere. So it's, like, okay, sure. Like, he could work for the CIA and, like, leave a package at a hotel desk, you know? But yeah. then, like, when Megan goes to him being like, oh, I, like, forgive me for selling secrets to North Korea, you're like, how fucking powerful is this, like, 32-year-old gay flight attendant? <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of thing where also that you're like, and, you know, he's, like, a secret agent spy. Like, he's, like, for real, like, mm -hmm. coming in, like... And you're like, all right, here's the thing also, by the way. Because I'll be like, look, if you want to be, like, hey uh goofy look james bond is not realistic mm -hmm. and it is wouldn't it be cool if you made like a black gay james bond right a black gay millennial james bond and he's going he's doing james bond stuff yes great you know but that's not what this is it's right. not yeah it's that like, world the, the end of season one like set up like, I thought it was so fun that they just, like, did a weird pivot making it sound like it was going to be a real TV show where they're like, you can join the CIA and go on missions each week. Each mission will last about an hour. <laughs> like, I was like, great, I'm on board. But they're really not doing that. It's still sort of in this, like, prestige TV world. And then season two did the fucking exact same thing where they were like, Annie and her husband are going to start their own detective team. And I'm like, why do you end every season by being like, maybe we'll be network TV next time. You never know. This is what I love that they say. And um, sorry, I also see in the corner of this Variety article, it's got a link about Anna de Armas, which I just remember there was some headline that was like Anna Darmas says she doesn't know why blonde got an NC-17 rating and it's like um well you're undermining the reason it did which is so people will watch it because the point of if you don't know what it is it's because you have some brief nudity in it and that's all mm -hmm. but the fact that NC-17 is being sold so people will be like I bet Anna Darmas fucks someone in or whatever like that's why it is um, but I'm sure it could have been R and they like, I don't know, 
found some specific thing or that they were like, mate, can you, if we like, uh, you know, have, I don't even know what, what it is. Anyone can watch if they want to find out. Um, but, uh, Kaylee Cuoco says, uh, while she thinks she keeps thinking the story is done, she knows that people love it. It hits a lot of hearts, so never say never. And it's like, mm, that doesn't sound like a good reason to make a season <laughs> three. Uh, if it does happen, it'll be further down the line. She has a project. I like when shows take a break. This isn't the Big Bang Theory. It's different. Hmm, hmm. I don't know. I think it's exactly the same. <laughs> uh, I don't want to force this down people's throats. I want the storyline to be perfect enough. Uh, yeah. The main cast is up for it. I would also be up for getting mm -hmm. more money. No, 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 it's not like they have to get, uh, I don't know, one of the succession cast to sign up to return or something. <laughs> I think everyone in it would be happy to get more money to be in those airplane sets for a while. It is kind of a shame because the premise of it is there is something to the premise. You know, I said earlier that I don't understand why who would hear about this and be like a flight attendant mm -hmm. but there there is something to that there is something of like oh she goes to a bunch of different exotic locales and has to do stuff there and she has to blend in and i think you could see a version of this that seems interesting i almost wonder if that was the idea kind of when the project started and then he so it's like i i wrote a script i feel fine saying this because i don't think it's going to become something um with the idea that was like uh it's called exit row and it's about um someone who hears the person say you know oh you're sitting in the exit row are you prepared to help in the event of an emergency and then the plane gets hijacked mm -hmm. And so she like enlists the other people in the exit row to try and take them down. And there might be a version of that that works. The version I wrote, the hijackers land the plane on island like half an hour in, then you're not on the plane for the rest of it. And that should have been, as soon as I was doing that, I should have said, wait, well, you either need to change this or realize <laughs> that this concept did not last as long as you thought it did. If you're already like, they're on a plane, isn't that great? Anyway, let's get them off that plane as soon as we can. And that's kind of what it feels like for this, where maybe I can almost see him originally being like, wow, and she could go to a bunch of different countries and stuff. And then he's like writing the book and she's like, so, you know, she comes back to L.A. and she's in L.A. for a while and she's in L.A. and, uh, hmm. I guess she goes to Italy for the end of it. Mm -hmm. Like it's. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the premise of like a party girl who's in over her head is great. And like, it's like, yeah, she's impulsive enough to be like, oh, I can like fix everything. And is like, uh, so used to like denying things to everyone in her life that she's like, it's fine. There's just like assassins after me. It's fine. I just have to like do one yeah. thing. And it's so it, like, they did a good job of like setting up like, she has like the worst personality for this situation. And then I think like season two just like didn't deliver partially because it like, it never feels like she's in over her head enough because she like, this is something that always kind of drives me nuts in mystery thrillers. She's like being honest with so many people. And like, yeah. once someone is just like telling their secrets to everybody, 
then it's like, well, why doesn't she solve her problems by like telling all these CIA handlers about it? Like she's already roped in like so many people. If you're not going to, if you're not going to stick with someone like actually having to keep their secrets, then you're like, I don't know, just like tell more people. Like just keep telling people until someone helps you. Yeah. It's also, the other issue is, and you kind of see this with, um, the way they kind of circumvent this, speaking about uh, one of the other masters of the form in Dan Brown books, I think a lot of the time what you see with that is they sort of will have the parallel between here's what the villain's doing. They almost never interact with Robert Langdon. Robert Langdon is trying to get to them by solving this series of clues. And then you have this climax where he like has to fight them. And maybe you have an instance earlier, but you kind of have an issue where you're like, all right, so she is untrained. She is a random flight attendant. She does not have superpowers or abilities or know-how. And she's being pursued by one of the most deadly assassins on the planet. And you're like, who just is really bad at their job, apparently? <laughs> like, how it's tough to yeah. not to be and like, all right, well, yeah. In season two, it's not even that. It's like, and she is being pursued by somebody of some level of skill. And it's like, at some point, maybe you should like not even have made it a mystery. Like, I don't know if it being a mystery adds to it. Yeah, you're like, they're framing her, but there's also, I don't even remember who's the couple. Yeah, I don't, I have no idea what like the payoff was with that. It's super weird. Yeah, it's, it's just like all this stuff with a very vague motivation and like of course it's cheryl hines of course obviously the the thing that drove me nuts was like so cheryl hines is like a top cia lady and when she puts it together they literally show a flashback of shane being like not many people would have this level of access to do this and you're just immediately like why are you showing us that she should have solved this a long time ago yeah yeah, the whole, um, isn't it also like they're like, oh, you can have Megan, she won't get in trouble if she gives you like the secrets about her North Korean contacts or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know what they would give. Actually, I think the, because I was just rereading it and I do think it says, um, okay, it says, uh, blah, 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 uh, Cassie brings Megan to Shane's room to give him evidence against the North Koreans. Are they going to arrest the North Koreans? <laughs> what is the what is the thing like, oh, it's okay. She's going to turn state's witness. Like, there's, oh, oh, is, oh, it is. Because she steals something from the trunk or she gets something when she, appar- I, okay, maybe they're, it's still nuts. But, yeah, like. You're like, well, they wouldn't tell her. They're not like, it isn't an equivalent of exchange of information. Like they're blackmailing her and they were paying her. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's real scattershot. I honestly would be kind of curious if they do a season three. Like, what do you even do? Yeah. They're just like so bad at sort of like telling the story in a way where there's tension and one thing leads to another. Um, One thing that drove me crazy was like, before she visits her mom to hash out her emotional issues, she's like talking to someone, I think probably Zosha Mamet. And she's like, I'm just sick of trying to find the person who's doing this to me. I'm just tired of it. And so she just like goes and like hashes out her emotional issues with her mom. And it's like, the point of a thriller is that you can't do that. It's not an option. (laughs) 
Yeah, it does seem like like people like they ever like in the first one at least they sort of do a decent job of like narrowing her down. They figure out, oh, that's you on the video screen or whatever. Do they ever just is she ever under threat? Because that is an ex- that is like something the first season has going. Yeah, for, a, lot she has like, deal... a lot of it is her just like a lot of it hurts her like assuming that she'll like be arrested for murder because like the murderer was a blonde lady. And I just like kept thinking like, and this wouldn't bother me if it was like executed better to be exciting, but because it's because it's like so poorly told, I just kept being like. You know, it's May Martin in a blonde wig. There's so much like technology. I why do you think anyone would be like, oh, that must be Kaylee Cuoco? Because they start to do right. They like, are, oh, she has a knife with her fingerprints that was left in the house, and there's like, but you also are like, so they frame her. They go through the trouble of framing her, but they like never tip off the yeah, police. Why would you go through all the trouble and not be like anonymous tip? This flight attendant, uh, who's a crazy drunk, is like doing murders. You're just like, like, well, ugh, the police are taking so long to piece this together. Yeah, like it's that, not, that it's is so something, weird yeah. that they didn't at least have like something where you know, like the police are bothering her, but she's like, "Am I under arrest? Okay, I'm gonna go away." Like that happens and stuff, but they don't even like try to make the threat of arrest like that close. Yeah, which is, again, something that the first one did a better yeah, job yeah. of, at least. Where you're like, you legitimately got like, oh, this is a real fucked situation. In the <laughs> yeah. You're like. And it was told in such a, like, tight way. You never, like, forgot the danger. And, like, this one, obviously a ton of, like, weird shit is happening. Like, they threw a lot of stuff at the wall. But just, like, on a basic scene-to-scene level, there were so many times when I'd be like, what's the problem like right now like what does she need to do right now yeah it's got the random stuff and the view master and it's that's the other thing i mean that's like the other thing is that it's another example of it not holding all together is in the dan brown books and whatever with like robert langdon like the whole thing is you kind of have to buy into okay he's dealing with villains who are really into the inferno or you know the art surrounding um jesus christ or in like the clues hidden in jesus christ art or like uh the freemasons and the founding of america and the hidden messages they put in or the stuff in the uh you know symbolism in the vatican like you just have to buy into like, okay, there's a villain who's doing like jigsaw with something your dad is into. Um, and you just have to accept that. And that's the price of admission. And here they're like, oh, she has to decode the clues and the view master. And you're kind of like, what, why, what is, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a really fun twist at the end when she's, as she actually gave her the view master clues specifically so that she would be at each crime scene and be way more suspicious. Like, I thought that was a really fun reveal, but it was like, that would have worked better if the Viewmaster had been, like, a better plot device in the first place. Also, that feels like a given. Like, why would you go? If you're worried about this, that seems like a bad thing to be like, oh, I should go to these places. Like, I don't know, look them up on Google Maps. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it was supposed to be, like, a, a reflection of her personality, that she's like, I knew you would see this and immediately go to all these locations. Like, I think that was a fun indictment of Cassie, but since, like, nothing had worked very well up to that point, it it didn't work. 
That's fair. I kind of forgot about that. But I also don't think of her as someone who you're like, oh, she just loves mysteries. I'm like, <laughs> well, no, she loved that mystery when her life was on the line and she had to figure it out. Um, and again, like, I think that it's funny that now after we were, you know, mostly down on the first season and even more down on the book that we're like, oh, you know, the first season did <laughs> was more competent because the first season also like. It, it's just it's yes. If this person was real, would they actually immediately surrender themselves to the authorities and say, hey, there's no I know you're going to find me at some point. I mean, you go to a lawyer. That's really what like what she does. But then it's her friend, whatever. Yeah. That's like the first you I say mean, to the lawyer. Do. Here's what happened. And the lawyer would say, which to be fair that is actually what they initially do is she goes, we have to go surrender you and you need to explain everything. Nodding what I say, say, don't say that. So they, they do try and do that. And she just goes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. They do a good job of like doing it in slow degrees where you like follow her thoughts. Cause like at first it's like, yeah, she can't turn herself in to the authorities cause it's another country and she could get locked up for like 70 years without a trial. So she has to go back to, the United States before anything it's like sure and then it's like at that point she's already like destroyed evidence and stuff and like they do a good job of like the step-by-step -step, whereas in yeah season two I just like couldn't follow the decision she was making at all yeah um but you know I mean overall I don't know I would I honestly would be curious they did a third season just because I'd want to see like well, what are you gonna <laughs> right. do what is where would you go from here you'd like she's i can't even i can't even begin to think because even the i was so surprised it was a second season because mm -hmm. i think it, it's just so done and then you're like all right so now she's working with the cia and so there's a cia bad guy you can kind of see where they're like what's it gonna be well it has to be she's with the cia now so it has to be someone in the cia right because or else if it was anyone else, she'd go to the CIA immediately and be like, ah, they're coming. Mm -hmm. You're, I need your help, blah, blah, blah. So is it going to be like, I don't, I don't know. Is it going to just be like Shane gets killed or something yeah. and she has to figure that out and maybe it's someone else in the CIA? That feels like a real, a real spinning your wheels yeah path there because like she can't just get framed for murder again <laughs> like the third time it happened <laughs> she actually what would be what they should do and spoilers for potential third season is you think that's what happened but she actually did do a murder yeah this time. i was gonna say they should do like that dumb uh jennifer lopez movie double jeopardy where that's like you know that's not at all what double jeopardy means but i would yeah. like if cassie was like Okay, I've been framed for murder so many times that now I can just go on a killing spree. And they'll be like, oh, it's fine. That's the girl who it always seems like she murdered somebody. That's the girl who gets framed for murder. So <laughs> yeah. it's not her. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're just going to bring Felix back. Oh, yeah, like, Felix escaped. And everyone's going to be like, wow, Felix. They're bringing Felix back? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, is, there, is there anything we haven't covered? Uh. No, it's like, it's honestly such a blur. It's just like, 
uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, I probably could have paid better attention, but the whole time I was just like, I don't know, this is happening now, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I think we can probably wrap up. Um, do you think, is it a prestige TV show? It's trying to be. And that's, what's so frustrating is like, there's just so much stuff where it's like, wants to be the leftovers or like the leftovers meets the Americans. And you're just like, this is, is not your wheelhouse. Like no one likes what you're doing right now. Is it Pretty Little Liars for adults? <laughs> yeah. Basically. Or sorry, for other adults. Yeah, it's like like HBO vaguely trying to trick the HBO audience into watching Pretty Little Liars, which they're now literally doing with Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. <laughs> it isn't HBO Max original, yeah, right? Yes. Like I think it's it's HBO, HBO Max. They, they definitely have some sense of like, still trying. There's someone there who is yeah. trying to fight the tide and trying to be like, no no this is hbo shows mm -hmm. those are hbo max shows that is not the same yeah like it's just someone the whole situation is so weird because yeah hbo max is like absolute trash like the gossip girl reboot the pretty little liars reboot and then it's just so weird because like average people don't know the difference and are just like looking yeah. at it like oh hbo is doing pretty little liars original sin now okay and it's it's so weird to me because usually like my understanding of it was like the brand is like the most important thing. And like, they're always worried about diluting the the brand, but HBO is just like, no, let's just have like an imprint with the exact same name that uh, makes the worst trash you've ever seen. <laughs> it's so weird. It's all, it has all been very weird. Um, you know, it's uh, cause you have something like, I mean, and then you've still got stuff like, I think uh, Minx was a, yeah, that was HBO was, Max. Yeah, they do somewhere you're like, this could have probably been an HBO. That could show. be it's like I think Max like was fine. Yeah, I think it, it was good enough to have been an HBO show for sure. Yeah, it's you certainly wouldn't be like, look, there have been bad. Yeah, it, I mean, like Minx, I would put on a level of like Big Love or whatever. Yeah, it's like you know, I I think it's um, I, it is a little funny that the whole thing with Minx was that they were like, finally, we're breaking taboos. We're going to show penises, and it's like. <laughs> fake penises like overwhelmingly <laughs> fake penises which whatever i mean the irony in the thing of course is like it is not good that actors and actresses and overwhelmingly actresses have probably had to do nude scenes that they would rather not do i'm sure some are totally fine with it some are like no this is genuinely good as for the art and then some who like you could see it with game of thrones you're like oh someone had their contract renewal mm -hmm. and now they do not show up naked anymore which is good for them yeah it's it's a little skeevy to try and reconcile when the show was good you enjoy it and you're <laughs> like mm, that is that is messed up that the, clearly this was something they were doing didn't um and so like it's no one should have, i do think sort of if you're gonna have something be obviously fake maybe just like shoot around it <laughs> i mean sometimes you can't always do that like you need, you know, minks especially when you have like, oh, the goof of this scene is that this guy took like three Viagra before mm -hmm. they shot, and that's bad. You're not supposed to do that. And uh, Nick, uh, Nick, um, what's his face? Uh, the guy from New Girl. Oh, Nick Miller. Um, Nick Miller and safety not guaranteed. Uh, everyone's favorite. Um, 
has to like say, you know, hey man, try and like message that and whatever. Uh, so sure, you need like you need it in some cases, but it's it's sort of funny to be like, you know, finally breaking the taboo. All these men pretending to show their penis. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like, um, especially when you're the network that has, like, Righteous Gemstones and Euphoria and, like, made Oz 20 years ago. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're good. I've seen, I've seen enough dicks. You don't have to. Yeah. I mean, Righteous Gemstones was the one that actually, because, you know, it also was, like, always in a comedic context. Yeah. Um, that's a good show. That's actually another good example, spoilers for season two of Righteous Gemstones, of a twist that was set up in a way that you could absolutely guess it someone could absolutely say in in episode seven or whatever like you know they haven't showed eric andre in a while <laughs> um and then you you know they do a they do a good job it feels earned you could guess it but i didn't maybe i'm just the dummy i'm not guessing any of these um yeah i mean i knew someone who i saw a reddit post from someone who stopped watching after episode two because of who was blackmailing danny mcbride and it's like it, it's a family comedy. It was not trying that hard to surprise you. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Or the thing with, um, there was some Reddit post that went around. Cause it was like the week before the red wedding. Someone was like, it's too obvious. Daenerys is going to come and Rob is going to team up with her. And they're both going to fight off the white walkers. And then they're going to fight off the Lannisters or whatever. And people were like, Oh, it looks like they should have kept watching. Mm -hmm. Um, before the show got legitimately bad. <laughs> um, do you watch house of dragons? Uh, not yet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I, people are like, it's good. And I'm like, yeah, so was the first one for the for five years. I so, mean, that's fine. Nothing wrong with five years of a good show. You'd think, but I think it's one instance where I, I don't think I could recommend, because of the way the show is, I don't think I'd recommend anyone start it now because they're going to be like, well, I want to see how it ends. And it's like, badly. You're going to watch it and you're going to be like, wow, I wonder where this is going. No, we're good. I don't know. I guess you could if you want. Yeah, that's just TV to me. I don't care. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. There's just so much stuff, though. <laughs> so much stuff people could be watching. The Drew Carey show is not on streaming. How can that be? Oh. Is that also CBS? Oh, I don't actually know. Um, I want to say like ABC, but I don't know. So it should be on Disney Plus then? Yeah. That'd be funny. <laughs> they had that big announcement where they were just like, and on a PlayStation 5 and Switch and uh, we're bringing back Drew Carey Show. Drew yeah. Carey Show exclusive movie and Drew Carey Show mobile game. <laughs> All right. So should I recommend a book? Uh, first, let's rate the show. Oh, sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give this a two and a half. It, like, the my feelings on Flight Attendant are, like, it went from, like, season one being, like, oh, it's just the Flight Attendant in kind of, like, an affectionate way. And now it's, like, oh, it's just the Flight Attendant in, like, kind of an annoyed <laughs> way. Yeah, I definitely like, I'm curious why I gave season one, because I feel like I, knowing this, I would have retroactively rated it <laughs> higher. Um... I don't know. I might do one and a half. I'm wow. trying to think like it's just it's not it just wasn't I, I like I, I'm almost more interested I'm weirdly more interested in seeing what a third season would be 
than if this had been like as competent as the first season. So it, maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> got that going for it. Yeah, yeah, one and a half. Wow. All right. Um, all right. So yeah, we'll end on a book wreck. I'm gonna recommend Lunar Park by Bradyston Ellis. Uh, it is a horror novel, so you can read it during this, the spookiest Ooh. of months. Um, and, uh, it is also just like about, uh, an addict who makes poor decisions. It's Freddy Stanellis is the main character. Um, and he starts seeing like weird doubles of himself and shit around. And, uh, it's, it's very fun and, uh, and goofy. And I think, uh. Yeah, it does a lot of the the story stuff in Flight Attendant Season 2, but in an enjoyable, fun way. And I will recommend Wolf in White Van, which is John Darneal of the Mountain Goats' first, uh, it's his first debut novel. He's made, and it is somewhat spooky, but he has made spookier ones, to my understanding, since then. So you might want to read one of the others for the spooky month. But <laughs> um, it is, uh, I really like the Mountain Goats. Um and if you like them, you like that too. I don't, it's a weird book to go into too much detail about um, because it's both, it all leads up to sort of answering a central question, but that answer is sort of deliberately uh, uh, anticlimactic in a way that is on purpose. Um, I can tell you about it afterwards if you want. I don't know if you have any interest in reading it. Um, but I would recommend it. He is a great lyricist. I think a lot of people acknowledge that, even if they don't like his um voice, which some people don't. I do. <laughs> I don't I like see why. Words. Um but uh yeah, Wolf and White Van. It's about a guy whose face is all fucked up, and uh you will learn why. And other things. All right. Uh, thank you for joining me, Andrew. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'll say Andrew Taven on Twitter, andrewtaven.com, uh, Andrew Taven on TikTok, making TikToks now. And uh, this December, the 14th and 18th, that's O'Taven, one man variety show at QED in Astoria. Also, uh, Sound Snacks coming out either sometime in October or November. Um, audio sketch show I wrote with Casey Ferguson. Listen to it then. All right. And I'm on Twitter at Lenny Burnham. You can subscribe to the Patreon if you want to get chapter surfing episodes two weeks early. And of course, if you like listening to me and Andrew talk about stuff, you can listen to House of House wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, yes hey. please listen to House of House. Become a cuddy buddy. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.